Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Good. Once you're settled in, I'm going to get straight into it this, uh, this morning. Are you ready for this? I hope you are, because I am. (laughs) Let's get a few fundamentals out of the way. Let's get some foundation things out of the way before we actually get into what I feel really stirred to speak uh, to us as a church. And if you're watching online as well, it's such a privilege that you could join us and such a privilege to me and honor to me to be able to share with all of you and encourage the church. Hey, the first thing is, you know, why do we exist? Okay, big questions, right? So let's get that out of the way. God created us, right? The first statement is God created us. And then the next question is we got to apply the, um, the four-year-old mentor. Like, why? <laughs> why did God create us? Our true purpose. Okay, firstly, it says that in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece, right? Masterpiece, not, not just a, you know, a thing that just happened by luck or by chance or by, you know, we are God's masterpiece, meaning he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Okay, so he created us, created us anew in Jesus, but really it's for us to do the things that he said before us, right? That's the why. Right? He wants a relationship with us and we are here to bring him glory, Right? He wants a relationship with us, and we are here to bring him glory. Now, Isaiah 43, 7 says, this is God declaring, hey, bring all, which is all of us here, who claim to me as their, who claim me as their God. This is all of us, right? If we claim, you know, God's, God's our God, right? For I have made them for my glory. This is God saying, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have created them for my glory. It was I who created, created them. Yeah. So God created us, and he says, if you're declaring that I am the one who created you, I created you for my glory. Yeah. Right? Now, if that was all a little bit full on, I like Paul who tries to dumb it down for people like me. <laughs> It says in one Paul says uh, Apostle Paul says in one Corinthians ten thirty one it says so whatever you eat or drink right so this is for the simpletons like me it says I can't, I can't understand what that means by you know God created us for a glory it says whatever you do eat drink sleep whatever there's lots of things we do whatever you do do it all for the glory of God. Right? So let's just be very clear about this. The rest of it will not make sense if you don't get this. So I thought, okay, let's start by, this is the foundations that we parked on. We're going to start building on that, great? So God created us. God created us for his glory. And we are called to do everything in this. Hey, and this, in this, the real question is, do we have the real meaning of what this means? Like, it's such a flippant statement. Whatever you do, do this for God's glory. But... We really need to get a true sense of this meaning. Pastor Jared has been teaching um, the church and, and encouraging all of us around finding our kingdom purpose in the house and out in the community. Finding our kingdom purpose. That's really what this is. This is God's will for us to bring glory. As we run in our kingdom purpose, we bring glory to God. So, but do we do we go about this every day, every task, every thought, everything we do with the sole intent of glorifying God? We well, should, 
but the truth is we don't. We all fall short, short right? So I tried to do a simple experiment on myself. I'm the best uh, guinea pig around for me, <laughs> right? So I tried to do a simple experiment. Uh, I, I said, okay, I'm gonna go to sleep, and the next morning I'm gonna start by you know, making a, a list of things that I've done to glorify God, and a list of things I've done to glorify myself, right? I woke up first thing in the morning, the first thought I had in my head, didn't glorify God. <laughs> Started on it. So I'm like, ah, oh, it has to get better from here. Right? <laughs> so I went about 35 minutes in the day. 25, 35 minutes in the day. And that list was getting longer and longer. Not the ones that glorified God, but the things that didn't glorify God. I had to pay the bill. I had to get this car. Oh, my car is nice. Uh, this. My kids. Having a, a moment with my wife. Having a moment with my kids. There was lots of things that wasn't glorifying God at all through that 35 minutes. It's a pretty short experiment, I can tell you that. But what it really, you know, spoke to me was, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own, right? But God, God can do this for us. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us through this, right? So what do we really need? We need godly wisdom to navigate through those choices. Godly wisdom to have to make the decisions and to walk that. So really, my message today, the title is, Wise Up to Your Kingdom Purpose. Okay, wise up to your kingdom purpose. Hopefully I haven't put you, put you to sleep already. It's going, to be, it's going to be interesting, right? Hey, but if you are, you know, running in your kingdom purpose, fantastic. You know, you are wise and we pray that you are, you know, challenged in a new way about getting more wisdom in that purpose. But if you are not in your kingdom purpose as well, hey, I, I say, I pray that this uh, message ministers to you and helps you get into new levels in your kingdom purpose. Can we just pray before we start, right? Father God, we, we thank you for who you are. You thank you for having created us, Father. And we are here to bring glory to you as individuals and as a church body, Father God. It says that in your word that the foolishness of God is wiser than man's greatest wisdom. So we pray that you bring your wisdom into our situations, into our everyday life, and into, into this message today, Father God. As we speak, let you speak through me into people and into each and every one. And let there be open hearts in this uh, season to receive this message, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good. So we can't start the, anything around being wised up without looking at the Proverbs, right? The book of Proverbs. So I, I think that, you know, we've had so much uh, teaching coming out, out of this stage, out of church, in, in different settings. We, we hear a lot about love and grace and mercy and all of those things that are very important and crucial in our Christian life, right? It's like you, you throw all of these things into the mix and you stir it up and you get this great product, which is meant to be us or in our lives coming out. But to me, one of the most important ingredients that even though all of these things go in, we have to make a choice. We have to make a decision. We have to act on something. We have to not act on something. We have to give something up. We have to take some ground. There's lots of things that you have to do. And to do that, everyday choices, the one ingredient that is highly critical is godly wisdom, right? So that allows us to make our choices become godly choices in our lives. Right, this is what I want to be. Proverbs 3.13, it says, Happy, blessed, considered fortunate, to be admired, 
is the man who finds skillful and godly wisdom. And the man who gains understanding and insight, learning from God's word and life's experiences. Happy. Man, if I was just called, you know, I'm to be admired, I'll take that. I don't know if some of you will, will or won't. But hey, blessed, you know, admired, fortunate. These are statements that can only come to man when they find godly wisdom. That's what the scripture says, right? You've got to learn from God's word and life's experiences. It says, you know, what is this, what is this wisdom we're talking about, right? We're talking about God's wisdom, right? For us, it's even our most amazing wisdom falls short of God's foolishness. You know, not, let's not even talk about wisdom. But what it says in Proverbs 3 is an indication of what the type of wisdom we're talking about. It says in Proverbs 3, 19 to 20, by wisdom... Lord, in his wisdom, God laid, or Lord, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens. So we're talking about the type of wisdom that comes from creation, creating the word, setting the earth's foundation, by setting up the heavens in place. It says, by his knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let the drop, clouds let drop the dew. So even the dew drops are coming from a plan with the wisdom of God in it. So we're talking about that kind of wisdom coming into our life, right? So it says, my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you and ornament to grace your neck. So we're talking about that kind of wisdom, right? So let's, we've established what are we talking about? We're talking about this type of wisdom where God's established the heavens, established the earth, the clouds, the seas, and dew on, on the surface of the earth. It, it, we're talking about a level which we can't even begin to comprehend, right? That kind of in wisdom coming into our lives. So let's wise up to our kingdom purpose. Now, through this message, I, I like, you know, being orderly as much as I can. Um, as I grow old, I feel that, you know, all of those things are a little bit of a blur, but let's try to keep to some order here. I'm going to do a three by three matrix, right? I'm going to do three thoughts on why we need to wise up, right? I'm going to do three thoughts on how not to wise up, and then we're going to do three thoughts on what happens when we wise up. Are you with me? Okay. Let's go into the first three by three. Now, we've established, uh, you know, what is godly wisdom or the type of godly wisdom we need in our life. So what, why do we need it? You know, life's hard. Who's had an easy life? Not me. Well, if you have, great. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Maybe you can rub something off on me. Hey, life isn't without challenges. The Bible says that you will have challenges in this world, right? That's what it says. But that's exactly why we need grace and wisdom. Uh, a challenging chapter. I like to say, you know, you know, if any of you lacks wisdom, go ask God. He's going to give it to you lots and lots. You know, that's what the Bible says. And that's what we want to say. But before we get to that point, there's a scripture. It says in James 1 verses 2 to 5, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Man, this is fun. <laughs> Consider it pure joy. And we're talking about, you know, having a party. When you have, have trials and tribulations. I can't. <laughs> well, life's hard. 
and then it says, but you know, but just enjoy the moment. So it's a count, consider it pure joy. I mean, that was, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work, that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what it's saying, the joy has to be because you'll come out of there mature and complete and not lacking anything. But after that it says, to do this, you, we all lack wisdom, right? We do this well to be able to party in the middle of the most difficult situations in our life. We need this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So does that make sense? We can't do this on our own. We can't navigate life on our own. We can't you know, face the challenges that is thrown at us every day and rejoice in that season unless we have godly wisdom, right? So that's the why. So why do we need to wise up? We've been talking about kingdom purpose. My first point is this. Godly wisdom reveals your kingdom purpose. It says in Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. So when we're talking about understanding Lord's will, right, it talks about be, un, be wise, not unwise, right? That is what you need to figure out your kingdom purpose, God's will in your life. What does that purpose really look like? I have a really interesting way I engage with the Bible sometimes. I come from a you know, management consulting background, business background. So when I look at the Bible, I sometimes look at it as a strategic document, a strategic plan, you know. It's, it's interesting, like, oh, there's another word. Uh, you know, some of the things that really I try to bake down, is it a strategic thing? Is it a tactical plan? What am I really looking for here? This is how I read the Bible. It talks about a will of God, right? That's strategic. The plan and purpose, that's strategic, you know. It then talks about, you know, the calling, strategic. There's a path set before you. That's tactical, right? There's a race that you need to run. That's tactical. The deeds and actions that you're supposed to do, that's tactical. So I sometimes have this lens of engaging with the Bible, which talks about, hey, this is a strategic thing. But that's what that book is all about, is when you engage in there, you are looking at the Word of God, having a conversation, but actually wanting wisdom to reveal your purpose. And that's what the Bible does for you. When you are having wisdom, you are not foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's what verse 17 says, understand what the Lord's will is. So you will get a revelation of your kingdom purpose. The first point is when godly wisdom really is re revealed through that. The second point is, you know, yeah, great, I've got my, I've got my um, kingdom purpose. I know exactly what that is. I know the goal. I know the race I'm meant to run. Got my tactics in place. But you know what? We can't do this by just that revelation. It, the second point is godly wisdom keeps you on your kingdom purpose. So it's not, it's not a one-off thing where, you know, okay, I'm meant to be running this business. I'm meant to be doing this job. I'm meant to be, you know, uh, stewarding this family or I'm taking on this, this experiment or I'm taking on this experience, whatever that looks like. It's not just about the, the one-off revelation, but it's also the daily guidance, the daily choices. So it's not just 
you know, making sure that you figure out what you're meant to do, but keep going on it. And I get, in the last service I was talking about, my life is usually like this. I go, I go, and then I get slapped around, come back here, somebody tells me something, gets back in line. It's always most days, and as that experiment I was just telling you about where, you know, most of my life is going off, off tangent. It says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Or he will straight, make straight your paths. Now, this is what I was saying. For me, if I was doing it on my own understanding, on my own, if without any godly input or counsel, what I am going to do is I'm not going to go straight. I'm not going to go straight to my, to my destination or my kingdom purpose. So you need godly wisdom and counsel to actually keep you on that task, right? So before you commit any task, any decision, you have to make a commitment saying, hey, I'm gonna walk for your glory. You know, that's why, that's the why. I'm gonna walk this kingdom purpose because it brings glory to you. Is it actually bringing glory to you? That's what I need to be asking myself while I do these choices, right? And with this wisdom, we will understand not just the will, but keep to it, right? Third point, if you're still with me. Well, this is getting a little bit deeper now. It says, godly wisdom surrenders you to your kingdom purpose. Now, if you want to work in God's plan, here's 101, the book for dummies, which is me. You have to give up your way, yeah. period. Yeah. It says life isn't easy. We are never promised an easy life. But without God's wisdom, we can make it extremely harder than it's meant to be, right? Without God's wisdom, we can make it much smaller than it's meant to be. Without God's wisdom, we can actually make it much more meaningless than it needs to be, right? When I'm preaching here, the first thing I had to do was actually put my a mirror in front of me, and I believe that as I'm speaking to myself as much as to anyone else here, because I go off in different tangents. The experiment told me that I'm really got to pick up my game in a lot of ways. So this is as much to me as everyone else. For me, this was really um, interesting. Godly wisdom in your life can make the difference between what is promised and what is lived and gained. So let me just break this again. Godly wisdom is the difference between what is promised. Hey, there's a promise in your life. God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to flourish. God wants, has a plan and a purpose. You, he's already said some new, there's a promise, right? But you living your life your way and living life to get to that promise, the difference there is godly wisdom. That's the only way you actually get there. And that comes by surrendering your choices, your desires, your aspirations, all of that, and coming down, bringing that under the authority of your kingdom purpose. Right. It's, and Jesus says this beautifully in Matthew 16, if any of you wants to be my follower, which is all of us, that's why we turn up here, I hope. <laughs> I hope. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. <laughs> if you try to hang on to your life, which is what most of us 
two. I did that for the 35 minutes. 25 minutes was probably hanging on to my life. <laughs> you will lose it. But you give, you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? The soul really belongs to God, isn't it? That's why we are here, to build that, to make that connection. And, man, this is tough. You mean to say, I have no say in this? Well, that's what I'm telling you. You don't have any say in this. <laughs> that's a very sobering thought, isn't it? Right. So it says that how do you actually get there? You know, uh, Romans 12, too, we use this. We use this again. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The way you think, which is my ways of thinking, my plans, my this, my that. Then you will know God's will for you. Then you will know your kingdom purpose. So if, unless you surrender to that, you're not going to get there, which is good and pleasing and pleasant and perfect. Pleasing and perfect. So if you get in the perfect will of what God has for you, running in your kingdom purpose, you need to surrender that. And godly wisdom allows you to surrender. Is that good? Yes. Good. So three points. One, it, godly wisdom reveals your kingdom purpose, keeps you on it, and surrenders to it. It's so exciting when we get up here on, uh, in the worship and we say, I re-surrender. I re-surrender. Such an easy thing to actually just sing that. But to be able to make those choices day in, day out, day in, day out, every day, through the week, not just on Sunday, well, that's, that's where we can't do this without godly wisdom. Right? We, we now kind of unpack what godly wisdom looks like and some creed truths about it. But we make stupid choices. We do. Right? There's also lots of people who are very knowledgeable like very smart. For the first 20 years of my life, I would have probably been considered very knowledgeable. Like the first 25, 30 years maybe, I was like, oh, he knows a lot of stuff. He's got something to say. Or all those things, like, you know, but, you know, some of, I googled up, tell me some interesting facts, but useful facts, useless facts sometimes. It says, avocados are a fruit, not a vegetable. I said this in the, in the first service, and then I had a text come back from Pastor Mark. It says, tomatoes, is a fruit, but that's knowledge. Don't put it in a fruit salad, that's wisdom. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you more. Australia is wider than the moon. The Spice Girls were originally a band called Touch. People are more creative in the shower. Actually, you get your best ideas. It's scientifically proven. There's, a, there's a, a, some kind of a hormone that gets released that makes your creativity bubble up, whatever that looks like. But it's true. I get most of my ideas there. <laughs> Have a shower, people. <laughs> the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, okay, it's, this is quite topical. Queen Elizabeth II was a, was a trained mechanic. She can fix cars. Wow. And here's for all the nutritionists and all the, all the people who are like healthy living. Ketchup was once sold as medicine. <laughs> right. The point of I was trying to make is such great information, but totally useless. 
say we also have great skills and abilities. Some of you, you might be geniuses in your field. You know, you might be, you know, flying in your area of business or career or your profession. You might be the smartest accountant. You might be the smartest architect. Could be any of those things, right? But you might not be wise. Does not make you wise. A person can have great heart, good-hearted, like really after people, really soft, pouring out love, being generous in words, actions, but not wise. Here's where probably it's going to get a little bit more controversial. A, a person can be very prayerful. Be reading the Bible all the time, engaging with God and the Word, and you know all the disciplines that come with being a good Christian, but still not be wise. Hey, wisdom really comes down to action. It's evaluating things. The consideration of your consequences of the actions that you take and making that decision and sticking to it. He talks about doing the right choice at the right time in the right way. So it's not just the right choice, but it's not just the right time, but doing it in the right way as well. And it is not easy. God had to set the world in a certain way for us all to be where we are. The dew had to go where it had to go. That level of detail. The right choice at the right time. There is nothing we can do without God's help here. Right? You still with me? Good. Let's talk about what not to do. (laughs) Right? So three things that really stood out to me when, when I was, you know, preparing myself really was, was ministering to me. And, and this, this experiment that I was doing with myself gave me a lot of insight on this too. Hey, the wise are not governed by feelings. The wise are not governed by feelings. There is no reason sometimes about what we, I just feel like it. I just need it. I'm just chasing that. I'm just scratching my itch. That's what it is. Because when you're feeling something and you're chasing it, you're looking for enjoyment, you know, uh, happiness, getting a hit. Sometimes it's a response to fear. I'm fearful, so I have to do this. I'm in despair. I'm, I've lost hope, so I've got to do that. I'm in anger, so I need to do something. This could be lots of, lots of different things. I feel like an ice cream all the time. <laughs> Pana, my wife will tell you that absolutely is true, right? I feel like buying the car, I feel like buying this, I feel like dating this person, I feel like chasing this, I feel like doing this job, I feel like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like going to work. I don't want to study, I don't want to parent. I don't feel like going to church sometimes. Could be all, I don't want to go to connect group, I don't want to do this. There's a lot of things which we don't feel like doing, right? But we are called to be beings with have which who have feelings we do so i'm not saying that you can't don't be don't have any feelings that's not what we're saying but do not act on the basis of your feelings or be governed by those feelings so wise people do not get into that so i I only have ice cream once every night (laughs) when i'm allowed to (laughs) hey but let's see it says in proverbs 28 26, he who trusts confidently in his own heart, feelings are there, right? <laughs> in his own heart, is a dull headed, dull, thick headed fool. <laughs> but he who walks in skillful and godly wisdom will be rescued. <laughs> yeah, 
me, dull-thick-headed fool. I could take so many boxes in that, right? But that's, it's important for us to just recognize that and say, hey, God, help me through this. That's the first thing, right? It also says in uh, James 3, 15, it, it, it's a, a description of, you know, where, where we act out of. It says, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. We're all selfish. We all get jealous. That's just our natural uh, state as being in the flesh. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. There are no mincing words there. So, but if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're in despair, if there's a voice telling you, hey, you can't do this, um, you'll never get out of this mess, or if you're feeling, I am never going to get out of this mess, things will never change, I've tried so many things, if nothing's happened, there is hope. There is a victory in Jesus, and that comes through asking for wisdom so you can enjoy the trials. You can actually count and rejoice in that trial. That's what we're called to do, right? The second point is the wise are not governed by desire. First is feelings. The second one is desire. Hey, I have to do this. I want to do this. I should do this. I must do this. I need this. I need this. I deserve this. You know, I crave for this. Go probably not uh, as much into my ice creams. I don't, but it's still a craving. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately, desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And we absolutely, absolutely need God to just overcome that one statement, right? If we can't, we got a heart. We got to have a heart that's after God. That's a heart that comes from God. The human heart, on its own, is desperately wicked. I have the story of my car, the thing I desired in my in my life, and I was about oh, I was about eighteen, nineteen. You know, growing up in India, where you know having a car was a big thing, right? So, and it's not something that everyone had. I'm talking about like 30, 20, oh, 25 something years ago. I feel older than I am. <laughs> but hey, there was a time when I absolutely wanted to get this car. I absolutely, I was obsessed with this, the color, the make, and I was waking up for about three to four months just completely. I started, started earning money, earning money that I didn't know how to manage. Um, and I, you know, don't ask me how I bought the car, but they bought the car. <laughs> if you want to know more about how I bought the car, you come to the finance workshop. <laughs> but, because, you know, I, I talk about how not to do some things, and that was, I was completely driven by desire. I had to have it. I needed to make a statement. I needed to stand up. And it was, the funny thing is that a year and a half later, the, the bank came and took my car away. They, they needed it more than me. <laughs> hey, bad choice. Bad choice, bad wisdom, completely driven by desire. But the one good thing about the story I keep saying is that I can talk about how stupid I was <laughs> with a real-life example. But, you know, it's a clear case of what not to do when you're driven by desire. It says, you know, in John, 1 John uh, chapter 2, 15 to 17, it says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world... You do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. 
But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. <laughs> Physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, a pride in our achievements and possessions, these are not from the Father. These are not from the Father. It's saying, oh, there you go. No. But again, I'm not saying don't desire. The Bible also talks about God gives you the desires of your heart. As long as it's for God's glory, for his reasons, for his purposes, for his kingdom purpose in your life, then absolutely those things will happen. Right. The first thing, don't, by, don't be governed by feelings. Don't be governed by desire. The third, which is getting a little bit deeper now, is do not be governed. The wise people are not governed by zeal. You know what zeal is? Zeal is like a great energy or enthusiasm where you, you know, bring your utmost to achieve something or to get to a goal or do something. Passion is good. Having a passion is good, right? And zeal is, is a good thing. And there's so many examples of people being zealous in the Bible, but zealous for God, right? I was reading about this and it says that zealous and jealous kind of come from the same root words. And they actually can, your zealousness can be driven from a place of jealousy than actually a place of strength, right? So don't have, just say, I'm driven by this. I'm so into this. God's absolutely got me. You know what you do? We start doing all of the, the things that we have a zeal for and then put God on top of that. Like he's like the justification of our zeal. He's the justification of our passion. Oh, I'm meant to do this. I am so into this. This is what I am called to do. Like have you actually asked God that? Did actually God tell you that? Did that get verified by a few other people in your life? What does that look like? Because you can't just see. But the Bible also says zeal is a good thing. It says in, in Romans 12, 11, it says never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So zeal without service to God and to his people is not good. So you need to have zeal, but you have to bring that under service, under authority, with an intent to serve people or God. That's the only way this works. It says again in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, it says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Meaning? bringing great zeal. Always work enthusiastically, bringing more zeal for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So what it's saying is bring zeal, bring passion, but bring that for God. So those were the three things, like, you know, not driven by feelings, not driven by desire, not driven by zeal. This is not exactly how not to wise up. How not to wise up. Great. Are you still with me? Okay, so what does godly wisdom look like? What does it really look like in our lives? I've got three more points, the last of my three by three matrix. The first point is God's wisdom comes in humility. God's wisdom comes in humility. James 3.13 says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. The humility that comes from wisdom. Another, another verse where it talks about this beautifully is 
Proverbs 11 verse 2, it says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. So Albert Einstein, considered one of the smartest people around uh, or lived, who lived, he said, the more you know, the more humble you become. Powerful, right? Socrates was quoted as saying, the only true wisdom, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking other, other thought processes here, but the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. Right? Who is considered the found in his time, the, the, the knowledgeable, the wise, wise man. Hey, let me tell you, it says, the true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. But there's a pattern here, right? Out of humility, tell, you know what really comes up. The moment you realize you don't know everything, then curiosity comes in. You actually want to know, okay, I want to know more. But it's coming from because you're humble and acknowledging that you don't know, you're asking the question. We ask the question, we learn, we go and read, we go and, you know, get counsel, we go do other things. The more we learn, we learn to apply it. The more we learn, the more we realize that we need to know more. It comes back to humility, right? So there's a pattern that we can eventually start a form of a habit of learning continuously that comes from humility. If you're arrogant, if you're proud, you're actually not learning at all. You actually stopped your learning. So just humility brings that in. Because... You know, importantly, if God's not in it, God's not in it, then He's going to teach you that He's not in it and actually move you to where He needs you to be in your kingdom purpose. It says in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Right. Two more points. I've got a few more minutes. The second point is God's wisdom brings peace. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. It is peace. Now, Pastor Diff preached a message you know, a few weeks ago which was about peace is a person. Can I say that wisdom is that same person? It comes from God. And by that extension, peace is wisdom. Did a smart thing there, didn't I? <laughs> what I'm saying is, hey, this is this saying, hey, wis, peace is wisdom. Anything that brings peace into situations is usually wise. Wisdom is displayed in peacemaking, in settling, in, in, in restoring conflict, in doing that. That's, this doesn't mean that, you know, it's not going to be challenging. Uh, oh, everything is going to be peaceful. Like uh, we talk about, what are you talking about, world peace? As a flippant statement, we say, okay, have you solved world peace? That's what we say. But really what it's saying, if we are having wisdom, it brings peace. First, inner peace to deal with the things and rejoice. And hopefully on the outside as well. Right? The last one I have is godly wisdom produces good fruit. Again, it says in that same, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Proverbs 3.18 says, She is a tree of life to those who take a hold of her. This is wisdom. And those who hold her fast will be blessed. And to get this, you know, how do we actually produce fruit? Jesus talks about this in John 15. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. You have to remain in me and I in you so that we can produce much fruit. 
from, apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> you can do nothing. It goes on further in chapter 8. It says, when you produce much fruit, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Not little, but much fruit. This brings glory to my Father. Is that good? You have to be in the Word, in God, in what He is doing to do that. Okay, that was the three by three, but I saw I'll throw in a, a little bonus there at the end. <laughs> One of the things about godly counsel is godly wisdom comes through godly counsel. This is very important for us. God does reveal things directly to you. He's got He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's a great counselor. We live in relationship with Him, so He reveals things to us absolutely. But we also live in relationship as a body in church, right? And He has also placed many people with many experiences and wisdom, godly wisdom in them in your lives. You have to make sure that you are reaching out for godly counsel. You know, I have had so many smart ideas in my life. As I was starting to explain them, it looked—it sounded pretty stupid to me. And I do this on and on and again. I'm always coming up with ideas. I think I'm lots of showers. <laughs> Come up with ideas. But really, you know, I wish I had actually just asked a few more people. I wish I had just taken some more counsel. Am I doing this okay? And now I've, it's kind of become a little bit of a habit to easily go and say, hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you think, you know? But can I tell you that this is such an, uh, a very um, anchoring scripture for me when it comes to that. Proverbs 11, 14, it says, where there is no wise, intelligent guidance, the people fall and go off course like a ship without a helm. But in the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory. God wants you to have victory. God wants you to run in your kingdom purpose. You need to today before making important decisions in life, whatever that looks like, whatever season you're in, you've been always making decisions. Get into counsel. Come, make, come see one of the leadership team. Come see one of the pastors. We, our only job, and if we are doing this well, is to make sure you are running in your kingdom purpose. That's the reason we are here to counsel. That's the reason we are here to bring input into your lives, to have a say in what you're doing. Reach out, make an appointment. You need to come and have a chat about seeking godly counsel. Good? So we can have peace. We can have good fruit. And we are striving to bring that fruit to pass for His glory. For His glory. For His glory. So wise up to reach your kingdom potential. Wise up to achieve God's plan in your life. Wise up to do the good works that He's called to do. Wise up so you can bring glory to Him. And wise up to your kingdom purpose. Amen. 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 Come on, why don't you stand? Let's see. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.